How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined by Ben Gorwitz on Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Ben, say what's up to the people, man. Super Bowl preview time. Oh, yeah, guys. We got an absolutely locked and loaded podcast for y'all. This is the final picks pod of of this in of this season of the 2021-2022 NFL slash college football season. This is the final pits pod, guys. We've come full circle here. Um yes, James Harden did get traded to Philadelphia. We have a special guest coming to join us to discuss that on the back end of this podcast. Look, NBA is hot right now. I almost wanted to start with that, but nah, man, this is Super Bowl, man. We got to give the Super Bowl its, it's due. It's kind of sucks, honestly, Ben, that they put both these things in the same week. I don't really like that that much, to be honest with you. I kind of you know, I wasn't a fan of moving everything back a week. I'd rather than start everything a week earlier because it kind of screws up like that NBA calendar. Because I mean, I feel like this is taking away from Super Bowl hype. But who cares? It's Super Bowl time. Yeah. Let's Nobody do really it. Cares about like the Super Bowl like preview media day. Like it doesn't get as much buzz anymore. So it's like the deadline kind of gets today, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then everything's on the Super Bowl. And then the NBA picks back up after NFL. Exactly. Exactly. Um, for those of y'all who are Hawks fans listening in, our Hawks play the Celtics at 2 p.m. on ABC earlier in the day. I might try to find me a little prop that has to do with something from that game. You know, they usually have those correlated props. It would be like probably like Trey Young, like points scored, or Jason Tatum points scored, which will be greater than that, or Matthew Stafford pass attempts, or Burrow pass attempts, probably something cool like that. But yeah, keep an eye out for one of those props. But anyway, we can't pre-project those guys. We got it. We gonna, we're going to go through like we did last week. We're going to start out with sides, then we're going to go total, then we're going to go props. Let's do this thing, Ben. Start things out, guys. This is the Super Bowl we've all been waiting for. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to take on the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium. The Rams that will be in the visitor locker room, believe it or not. The Rams are currently four and a half point favor, or four, four and a half, four point favorites, depending on where you shop. Over under in this game, set at 48 and a half. Ben, start things off, man. Who's winning this game? I am going with the team that I think is better overall um i'm gonna go with the rams i've been on the rams i've liked the rams all year you he and has. i kind of flip, flip flapped uh on the rams you haven't been on them and then i've, I've been on them. listen i hate the number obviously it's over a field goal which you absolutely hate but we haven't seen a ton of super bowl like close super bowls um and when we have they've been like really low scoring um so i'm gonna go with the rams it's minus four on the book that i have like I said, I don't love it, but I think the Rams are going to win. We haven't seen a lot of close Super Bowls. I'll, I'll stay with the Rams. Yeah, um, I'm going with the Bengals, man. Look, I feel like Cincinnati's a team of destiny. I think Joe Burrow, big game Joe, is that dude. I'm taking. I'm going max play, Bengals plus four and a half. Look, I'm not saying it's a max play, best off confidence. It's the Super Bowl, man. I'm going all in. Screw it, might as well. Look, guys, this Bengals t- team, we all know what they're going to do in big situations. They're going to find Jamar Chase and throw it up to him. He's going to come down yeah. with it. They've covered seven straight games. This team's been playing as the underdog, and that, quite frankly, they would like to have it no other way as the dog. Um, not there's no real trend to base off in the Super Bowl. I just feel like usually whenever we have a larger spread like this, that a lot of time the underdog is going to cover it. Um, I think the Bengals win this game straight up, though. I'm taking the points. Look, this is kind of what I want to talk about on last podcast. There technically really is no sharp side in the Super Bowl because at the end of the day, the money lines both ways are going to be off because, one, they're trying to bait people to lay that minus 190, minus 200 on the Rams so they can take on more money and, you know, have to pay less back, obviously, because then the book will cash out. It's pretty hard for – let's put it this way, guys, with all the props and everything – 
the bookie the books are not going to lose at Super Bowls anymore. Like it's it's virtually impossible for them to lose at this point with all the different ways you can book these games. But back to what I was saying though, the same thing with Cincinnati, you know, there'll be the casual better who doesn't really bet on football season long. They're like, fuck it, I want to bet 50 dollars on the Super Bowl. They're gonna see, you know, the, or maybe a, a wealthier casual better. They're gonna throw down 2K on the Super Bowl. You know, they're just gonna take Cincinnati just because they're gonna be like, oh, I can lose by four and a half points and still get paid. Or they're gonna say, oh, I I risk two thousand dollars while I only get paid back. I only get paid back uh, $3,000 if we're if risking $2,000, you know, off the Rams. They're like, why would I only get back a hundred if I'm risking, you know what I mean? Like, why would I only make that much back rather than they see the side on the Bengals and they're going to do it just for the juice, you know? So there's all that in there. So there's not really a sharp side in this game, but look guys, I like the Bengals. I just think they're the team of destiny. I think this defense is going to figure out ways to get stops. I think Ben might be uh, giving us his prop that has to do with the defense, getting the stops here a little bit later. We'll see if he does or not. But I just think the Cincinnati team is relentless. They have the better kicker. They've just found a way to do it, man. I think they find a way to do it one more time. They seem like the team of destiny. Yeah, I mean, Mc, uh, McPherson's been unbelievable for the Bengals. He has not missed yet, and he hasn't even come close to missing. He's been clutch. He's hit the easy ones. He's been great. And the Bengals have not squandered many points when they get down to the red zone. They're scoring almost every single possession. Yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. The Bengals have been. I mean, the Rams have been running the ball, doing everything well, too. But I will promise, guys, I will not be one-sided with my props. I do have some Rams props, just as I have some Bengals props. Um, ben, let's talk about the side, man. What do you like here on the side? Yes, yeah, so it's interesting. You sent me the the link that we were talking about uh, yesterday, two days ago, and uh, it, it looks like, just based on Super Bowl history, when the total's been below 50, which you said it was, what, 49 and a half? 48 and a half. 48 and a half. So when the total's been below 50 in recent years, it, the over has almost always hit. Uh, that's dating back to, you know, a decade ago. So, it's listen, it's really tough to bet unders in this game because why would you want to be rooting for that? Um, if I'm not going to take a total in this game. If I had to, I, I would probably just take the over because both teams can sling the ball all over the yard. I think the Bengals are going to have to run the ball a little bit, which obviously takes some more time on the clock. I just think they have to be balanced in order for them to play their best football. Big game. People like the unders in big games because of nerves. Um, what I would probably do is, like, honestly, I would probably take, like, if you like the under or if you were leaning the under in the game, I would probably take it half by half. I'd probably take the first half under, and depending on how it is, if they're like if it was close, then you you know live at the the over in the second half. If if there's a lot of points, they're struggling, they're struggling. But that would be my advice. I would probably look at the first half under, but in terms of the whole game, I would I can't take the under for the whole game. So I, I would lean the over for the whole game, but I think the safest bet first half under. It's just I'm not gonna bet an under in a Super Bowl with these two quarterbacks. Yeah, and back to what you said, Ben on the under. I lean the under as well. I will not be playing it. So. The last three Super Bowls did have posted totals of 53 or higher, but they all went under that posted total. Um, also, on top of that, guys, um, with it with those last games going under, both these teams rank inside the top 10 of scoring defenses in the league. The Bengals are ninth at 20.7 points per game. The Rams are the Rams are third at 19.4 points per game. 
that still gives you about eight points gap to make up for in between there. On top of that, guys, think about the Rams. I mean, yeah, the Rams played a shootout against Tampa. That last game against the 49ers was extremely low scoring. The Bengals, I mean, excluding the Kansas City game, we all know you're not beating Kansas City without outscoring them. That's what Cincinnati had to do. Those other two games were fought out in the trenches. The Bengals do have a low-key good defense, Ben. I really think this is going to be a low-scoring game. And I think that the biggest plays will also got to think about it this way, too. Sean McVay in his last Super Bowl was very conservative. I mean, barring he did have his puppet Jared Goff playing quarterback, but I mean, he didn't really call like crazy plays or anything like that. I mean, we could see McVay take a little bit of a different approach, but I don't think it'll be that different. I think Zach Taylor is not going to want to be the guy to blow it. If if I played anything on the under, I would go first quarter under. I think the first quarter would be the lowest scoring yeah. quarter of the whole game, but I'm not going to – I'm going to lay off that, guys. I want to see some points flow in. I'm going to root for an over, even though we're both recommending got, to play the under. And you got Stafford on one side uh, who led the league in pick sixes. So you talked about scoring defenses, but one of the quarterbacks is pretty prone to it. And also Burrow. Like, Burrow has been susceptible to throwing interceptions, mm-hmm. given the Rams short field. So it, it's tough. I mean, it's – like I said, I'd probably – if I'm just picking for the whole game, I'd probably lean the over just because I simply would not take the under. But I do like the first quarter under, like you said, or the first half under. Yeah, hey, we don't want to sweat unders. We want to see points over Army always. Um, anyway, let's move to the prop portion of it, Ben. We did a pretty good job breaking down those last games with props. It's kind of a fun way to go more in-depth in the matchups and whatnot. Ben, did you just tease your first prop you're going to drop on us with what you just said in your last statement? No, no, not yet. Um, I have three, and actually two of them are on the Bengals' side. So I'll start okay. with the Rams one. Um, it's the most obvious Rams one you can take. Cooper Cup to score a touchdown. Okay. He is flat-out incredible. So his his total – the reason why I'm not taking his total is because it has gone up since the since it first came out. I think mm-hmm. it's up to 106 now. Correct. 106 and a half. And he's averaging 114 yards on the season. That's, that's not just the postseason, that's the season total. I just think it's safer for him to score a touchdown because he's been getting a lot of looks in the red zone this postseason. He has three touchdowns in his last two games in the red zone. So the, the guy's just simply always open. So that's my, that's my safest one with the Rams. My second one is Joe Mixon over 24 and a half receiving yards. I think the Bengals are going to have to throw the ball. They, I mean, like I said before, they're going to have to run the ball to keep their balance. But in, in general, they want to throw the ball. And that's where their strength is. And I think they're they're actually really, really good at setting up screen passes for him. His receiving yards are only – it's only 24 and a half. I mean, he can get 15 to 20 in one play off a screen pass. He's really good at catching the football. I think as long as he gets four to five catches in this game, or really three to four catches in this game, I think that is a good number. He's also hit in five straight games. He's hit his over in receiving yards. So I'm going to ride that trend with Joe Mixon. My yeah, actually, dead. here, yeah, let me get, give two out here real quick and then get to your third because I actually have two that are pretty similar to yours. So, first one with Cooper Cup, I, I hinted at it earlier. I hate picking square player props, I hate picking square bets in general, but I'm gonna be a square here, guys. I'm gonna go with the one Ben said that he didn't feel as good at. I'm gonna go over the 106. Look, yeah, it's Cooper Cup, guys. I mean, this guy's the entire offense, he could get 60 yards in one play receiving. I mean, I've seen him too many times the Rams this season on third downs throw like a little flip screen to Cooper Cup and he makes 25 people miss. He's real shifty, slippery. The Bengals don't have like that real lockdown corner like that, you know. Um, I wish that I'd gotten on the number earlier, but 
I still think that he just easily goes over this number. It's the Super Bowl. Stafford's going to look to him. Stafford's prone to throw interceptions. He's prone to force balls. He's going to force balls just Cooper Cup here. Cooper Cup's going to have himself a big day. I think Cooper Cup soars over that 106. And also, too, with the Joe Mixon one, I'm going Joe Mixon over three and a half catches. Yeah. I think they're going to run some screens and get him involved in the pass games for all the reasons you said. Joe Mixon is going to be the key to success in this game. I might have one more sprinkle prop later on in the game for Joe Mixon as well. But, yeah, I like Joe Mixon. I like Joe Mixon to get get involved in the pass game just like you do. Yeah, and I think uh, I haven't taken it yet. My other Rams one I was thinking about taking was Odell's over in receiving yards. And it's okay. honestly simply in spite of Eli Apple, who I don't think is that good of a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't be guarding Cooper Cup since he's not the Bengals' number one corner. So I think Odell can have a nice day. Plus, he's he's been catching everything that's thrown to him, which is what we've, you know, become used to, accustomed to with Odell. He doesn't mm-hmm. drop many balls. So, I, you know, his targets will be there. But I have not played that one yet. The third one that, I, that I'm going to play. Oh, also, too, Tyler Higby's probably not going to play in this game. He still is yet to practice. I mean, if he plays, he's going to be a non-factor. I think anything right. Cup and Odell receiving has even more value because of that. Yeah, it's a good point. My third one that I'm actually playing. So Cooper Cup touchdown, uh, Joe Mixon over 24 and a half receiving yards. My third mm-hmm. one, I was looking – I was just looked deep into one stat and – even though Jalen Ramsey is, you know, the best corner, second best corner, yeah. wherever you rank him in the league, the Rams ranked 23rd in the NFL this year in in uh, giving up opposing wide receiver fantasy points this year. So that's touchdowns, you know, receptions, yeah. uh, receiving yards, anything you can think of for a receiver. Well, obviously, you have Jamar Chase on one side. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is going to guard him the whole game. I would imagine they have Jalen Ramsey on him or they double team him. I was wrong on him last week. I'm going to hopefully be right on him this week. I'm going to go with T. Higgins. I went with Tyler Boyd last week. I was wrong on him. Mm-hmm. The thing that I realized about T. Higgins is over 69 and a half. His average receiving yards all year is 69 yards. So he's right there. It's a perfect number. It's what he's done all season. Great I'm not number. Asking, I'm not asking him to do anything other than what he's done all season. Those are my three props. Okay. Uh, Joe Mixon over receiving yards. Uh, Cooper Cup score touchdown. T. Higgins over receiving yards. And then I'm uh, I haven't played yet, but the Odell over receiving yards is what I'm looking to as well. Um, one thing with the Rams is Cam Akers is banged up. He has been limited in practice this week with shoulder injury. If you want to look at Sony Michelle props, I just don't want to take a guess on who's getting the goal line carries because Cam Akers was the was the guy all year once he came back. So I'm not going to take a guess in that, and that's why I would rather play the uh, receiver for the Rams, two receivers for the Rams, because I know that Stafford's going to throw the ball. So mm-hmm. those are the three I've locked in, one that I'm kind of pending on, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Um. So with the, the other the other thing too, Ben, because I actually was pretty close to picking the T Higgins. That was probably the closest prop that I didn't take. The other ones I'm going to give you all are game props, not player props. But um. I actually like that one a lot too because the corner who's going to be matched up with T. Higgins is going to be five foot eleven, so he's going to have a big height advantage on him. And like you said, Jalen Ramsey is going to be all. They're probably going to have Jalen Ramsey and a safety blanketed over Jamar Chase. They're going to let anybody but him beat them in this game. So, for all those reasons and more, I like that one you went with right there. Um, yeah. So my other player prop, 
I'm probably going to end up taking is McPherson over one and a half field goals. I mean, money McPherson yeah, guys. I looked, this guy at, has I looked a, at that too. Yeah, this guy's a cannon for a leg. He's probably going to boot some from far out. By the way, what were the odds on that uh, on Cooper Cup to score a touchdown? Was it like minus 190? Um, I didn't see it. I forgot to write it down. I'd have to, I'd have to go check it Okay. Again. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the odds were juiced up or else I would have taken that one too. I saw, I took a book it, I took it earlier. I took it earlier. So I don't, I didn't get it like when it was heavily, heavily juiced, but I think it was like 175 or something. It was the most juiced play I've ever, it probably I've ever taken. Yeah. It's just like you said, it's the, it's the square pick of the Super Bowl. I feel like if he doesn't score the Rams, the Rams cannot score that many points. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I like McPherson over one and a half field goals. I mean, this guy's a boot. He can hit him from 50 plus out. I think both, like we said, back to both the game going under and both coaches not wanting to be the one to make the mistake. These guys are going to, in Super Bowl, man, you don't do that BS, um, whatever that the offensive coordinator or the coach of the chart, Brandon Staley crap, where you go for it um, or, or on fourth down every single time. You take the points early in the game. You wait for the second half when you do stuff like that. What do you think of the difference? Because I was looking at McPherson too. What do you think of the difference between over one and a half field goals and over six and a half points scored from McPherson? Because obviously extra points, you get, you get one. I might like that one more. At, but, they're, but they're very similar, obviously. Yeah, I might like that one more, honestly, at the end of the day. Because, I mean, you got to think it's that the Bengals field score goals, touchdown. Three extra points, one. I mean. Yeah, I think – I think I think you can't go wrong either way, honestly, guys. I like both those. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a solid bet, honestly, right there. Because I mean, you got to think they. Does I mean in order to hit mine, he's going to have to kick two field goals, and you got to think they score at least one touchdown. So, yeah. that's that's a pretty good bet right there, honestly. Um, anyway, the only the only thing that would scare me off that one is let's say that it's like twenty one to six and they score a touchdown, they're probably going to go for you know what I mean. They'll go for yeah. two. So that's the only thing that kind of scares me a little bit. But yeah, no, that's solid. It's a solid idea there. Um, so the other props that I like here are – which one should I give out? Um, I'm going to go with this one first. I think the Rams will have – I like the Rams to have more first downs or more yards. One thing Sean McVay is really good at is getting yards in general. He always finds ways, whether it's those little flip screens, Cooper Cup, whether it's through Odell, whether it's Cam Akers on the ground, whether it's Van Jefferson. Sean McVay is one of the best co- best coaches in the league at finding ways to get yards in the NFL. I think the Rams will have more yards and first downs than the Bengals will in this game. Um also, too, Sean McVay has only gone for it on fourth down 32 times out of the 85 games he's coached. That's basically 35% of the time. Rams plus 135 to not convert. So they can go for it and not get it to not convert a fourth down is, is pretty juicy to me. And then the other one that I found I like a lot. No touch. So on the opening kickoff, it not being a touchback at plus 120. So the kickers are not allowed to like bunch the the ball together, which is going to make it stiffer when they kick it. Also on top of that, in the last 28 Super Bowls, only two times did they kick a touchback. Usually the returners amped up. So he's going to try to bring it out. So I, that's interesting because I was listening to the Pat McAfee show, who obviously was a punter. He, yep, that's where I got it from. He was fortunate enough to kick off in a Super Bowl before, and he was making very good points. He was saying, okay, so here's how it works. The kickoff ball, the Super Bowl, it gets kicked off as soon as the ball is down to the returner is either a touchback or the returner brings it out and he's tackled. That ball goes to the sideline and is immediately shipped off to Canton to put a showcase. So what that means is he said in a normal football game, you get around seven to eight footballs that you, uh, the equipment managers would prep before the game. 
and if you've played baseball before, this is like a big part of baseball. You rub you rub the baseball out. You don't use like a brand spanking new baseball. Like typically, you rub some mud and dirt on it to get the grip good. Well, they do that in football, right? So you don't do that on the opening kick, and that's where he was mentioning it. And he said not only is the football, you know, it's, it's more dense, so it's harder to, you know, get it to fly. The thing is, is and you see it all the time, like you're going to see it on TV, how many flashing cameras there are. And Pat McAfee said when he was kicking off, you know, he, he did a step back. He went over, took a deep breath. He said he looked up and there were so many cameras that when he decided to go to the ball, he said he was so scared he was just going to whiff on the ball because of the nerves. And he said that plays into a factor. So with the ball being more dense, just the bright lights of the Super Bowl in that moment, it it is so rare for a touchback to happen. So. Um, I was thinking about that. I thought you were going to mention it because we kind of talked about it. And it, it was a great point by McAfee. And honestly, who, who's a better source than that? The guy is literally kicked off in the Super Bowl before. Exactly. I heard it. I heard him say it. All the reasons you said in the 28 and two, and that was all I needed to know right there. I'm definitely hitting on that one. The last one I'm going to take as well is that their second half is going to be higher scoring the first half back to all the reasons we said Zach Taylor and Sean McVay, they both coached together when that they were both, yeah, they both coached together when that they were in Los Angeles. I mean, we all know guys, Sean McVay is going to play conservative at the beginning. I could see him see this exact same thing happening as well. Like we said, McPherson's got a boot on his leg. Zach Taylor is going to take the points early. The second half is probably when they're going to start going for him and stuff. I think the second half will be, be higher scoring the first. Why do you think that touchback one is plus money? If that if that trend is out there, if that stat's out there, plus like McAfee was saying, he goes honestly, like me saying this probably is going to fluctuate the numbers because he does work for FanDuel. Yeah, the number probably has fluctuated by now. Um, I actually haven't had a chance to lock that one in just yet. It's not up on where I bet. Where I bet, I'm hoping he adds it by game day. But um, you know, it probably won't be. It probably will be minus money at this point. But I mean, I also think though, you know, like the casual better, like honestly, without knowing that, casual better looks at it and they say, yeah, they're definitely going to kick it out the end zone. You know, Matt Gay's got a good leg. McPherson's, we've talked about him the whole time. They're saying money McPherson, he's going to boom that thing through the field goal on the other end. You know, so I think too the casual better that doesn't listen to people like Pat McAfee say that. You know, they're just going to instantly see that prop. They're going to be like, oh wow, that's definitely going to be a touchback. You know, yeah. Um. All right. Any anything you think else you think we need to talk about about this game? Oh, 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 oh. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We almost forgot. Let's give it. Give it to him, Ben. Who's your forced MVP pick? MVP pick. You don't actually have to bet it, but who you think's gonna win MVP? All right. So there's two from each team that I'll that I'll give out. One of them is McPherson. Because why would I not pick him? He's already won the Bengals <laughs> games in in this postseason with game winning kick. I think if he, let's say he went three for three on extra points, two for two on field goals, and then his third field goal he made was the game winner, I think you have a very good chance. If a kicker kicks a game winner in a Super Bowl and he already has a good game up to that point, I think that's an option. And that'll be so juiced at that point. So that'll be like the sprinkle um, for the Bengals side. The sprinkle on the Rams side, I want to go back to the well with Von Miller because he's done it before in a Super Bowl. He's been there. And plus, I mean, Aaron Donald, I would imagine he is – I would imagine he's double teamed and triple teamed. I'm just going to go Aaron Donald, though. I think he's a game wrecker. The one thing he's really missing from his, like, I mean, resume, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame at this point, if he just continues this, is the Super Bowl ring. 
And if he can get that and add an MVP, like he is among mm-hmm. the Lawrence Taylors and the Reggie Whites of the greatest defenders of all time, especially on the defensive line, which Lawrence Taylor's a linebacker, but you know what I mean. So I think yeah. those are the two sprinkles. In terms of the Rams, it's hard not to pick a quarterback. In, in, in awards like this, like, you know, in college, you get uh, the Heisman. In the NFL, you get the MVP of the regular season. It is so quarterback heavy, plus these two teams really lean on their quarterbacks so often. Like, the Bengals have no chance unless Burrow, you know, has plays like he's been playing, right? So I think in order for the Bengals to win, Joe Burrow's got to be Joe Burrow. And in order for the Rams to win, Matthew Stafford cannot make mistakes. So I think the more obvious plays for both sides would be the quarterbacks, but the sprinkles, McPherson, I think, is is worth a little flyer on, to be honest with you. We know the Bengals are going to kick some field goals. We know they're not scared to take the points. And then Aaron Donald, because why not? Why not pick a defensive player? Yeah, I definitely like your thought process there. I almost thought about taking one of the Bengals secondary guys like Jesse Bates or Von Bell or somebody like that, just in case, you know, they get a pick six on Stafford at a crucial point in time. Yeah, Mike, Mike Hilton. Played. Yeah. yeah, all them. I mean, you put $10 on any of those guys, you went 1000 So, I mean, might sprinkle all of them, honestly, and say, screw it. We'll see what, we'll see what uh, kind of shape we're looking in come uh, game day. Um, but, look, guys, I think – don't think that that betting Cooper Cup is a bad bet if you like the Rams to win. If I like the Rams to win, I'm taking Cooper Cup. You know, I could go with a square pick here. On MVP, man, I always just like something absurd. I mean, literally $15 pays out 330 on this. I'm going Joe Mixon to win MVP, and it's back to all the reasons we said, man. We know how good this Rams pass rush is. Joe Mixon's had some big games this year, man. If he can get it going on the ground, I think that's going to be the key to the Bengals' success. I like the Bengals to win the game. Therefore, I'm definitely throwing $15 to win 330 on Joe Mixon to win, win MVP in this game. I feel like he's going to have a big day early and often on the ground. They're going to get a lot of yards. He's going to catch, catch some passes in the air. He's going to have a couple touchdowns. I think the Bengals win this game, and I think Joe Mixon wins MVP. Yeah, man, I don't hate that. I got a prop on him. So for him to win MVP, my prop is definitely it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I would love to see him win. I mean, just to win, to win $330 off 15 bucks would be awesome. After I got screwed out of my 49ers going to the Super Bowl. I, I wish to this day that uh, I was on a, on FanDuel Sportsbook or one of those where I could cash that out because when they were up by 10, uh, 10 points, I probably could have cashed that thing out for five $600. So I probably would have done that. But Anyway, can't cry over spilled milk. Ben, anything else you want to talk about about this game before we uh, go to the NBA portion? No, and I don't, I don't play any of like the, you know, the coin toss or what color the Gatorade's going to be. I don't, I don't do any of that. I don't know if you do. Um, in the past, I've I've bet on the coin toss, but you know what? I'm probably laying off the coin toss this year because I used to do the coin toss, but since that I already have a good uh. First off, first of all, I want to say this. Anybody who's betting on the coin toss, if you bet over minus 110, you are a fool. Think about it. Mm-hmm. You're betting on a 50-50 coin flip. If you're paying your bookie 110 to win $100 on a freaking coin flip, you're an idiot. That's I'm just going to go ahead and say <laughs> that right there. Um, but yeah, I've got the kickoff. I've got the opening kickoff, so I'm getting involved very early. So there's no way that I'm touching that. Like an uncut gems where do a little parlay where it starts with the opening tip, which in this case would be the opening kickoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I wish I could do a same game parlay. 
All right, Ben, let's get the, we're about to uh, have a special guest join us, guys. So we'll be right back and then we'll get things over to the NBA half of this podcast. Well, guys, as I alluded to earlier, we are having a third guest come in here to join us to talk about the NBA portion of today's podcast. Once again, Arya Tari is back on the show. Arya, say what's up to the people, man. Yeah, I invited myself. I had to I had to talk today. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, guys, one of the biggest trades we saw went down today in the NBA. Um, also, I wonder how many NBA GMs denied a phone call today from Rob Palinka. If I saw another time today on Twitter, the Lakers are interested in this guy. I bet for damn sure they're interested in whoever I would have thrown my phone out the window. Yeah, they're interested in Doncic, Giannis, Durant, Curry, Embiid, Harden, Jokic. Trey Young, and more and more. <laughs> Jason Tatum. Yeah. All right, guys, we already, you know, we already wasted enough time talking about the Lakers. Let's uh, talk about things that actually matter. The first thing guys that actually matters, it has happened officially. James Harden is a Philadelphia 76ers player. It's a good thing that Ben and I didn't put any money on it. Cause we both said we didn't think he was going anywhere. Um, stories are coming out now about him and Kyrie having disagreements, but guys, let's talk about the trade, how it went down a trade that I think is very fair both ways. We have James Harden, and Paul Millsap now becoming members of the Philadelphia 76ers. The other way goes Ben Simmons, um, Andre Drummond, two first round picks and Seth Curry. Aria. I mean, what do you think here, man? So, I saw like the general consensus on Twitter and I always like to go, I, there's nothing I love more than going against the general consensus on Twitter. Um, but everyone was like, great deal for both sides. It worked out. And if you want to look at it from like an individual perspective, if you're looking at it from like, you know, Daryl Morey, he still gets, he gets the star he wanted after yeah. waiting all this long. Ben Simmons gets out, still gets to go to a big market, gets to go to, a um, team where he's not going to be asked to like carry the load. If you want to say for Harden, he wanted to leave, which it really seems like he did now. Otherwise they wouldn't have traded him. Um, it worked out for him. But if we're looking at it just from a pure black and white perspective, 76ers versus Nets, who won the deal? It's Philly. Like I come from this like weird, like, I don't know, maybe this is like a crazy thing, but like usually whoever wins the best player wins the trade. I still like subscribe to that theory as crazy as that may sound. And Philly traded a guy who doesn't play for them and Seth Curry for Harden. So they basically just upgraded Curry to Harden because Ben's, I don't even count Ben Simmons because he wasn't on their team technically. Right. So they just went from Seth Curry to an all NBA multi-time all NBA first team. I think he, Harden's made six all NBA first teams in his career, which is more than Steph Curry. Um, I think like the only active players who have more than that may just be LeBron and Durant may be tied with six. Um, don't ask how I know that off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so to the point I'm making, like, so immediately, right? Like they get the better player. They're a better team today than they were tomorrow. And Harden opts in. So they have them under contract for next year. And apparently they're going to take care of him once that's off contracts off, up. And then Harden will probably get like a Chris Paul deal where, into his late thirties. Now, Chris Paul, that's worked out well for him. Who knows if it's going to work out well for Harden. Um, so there's that part of it, right? Like the immediate future, like they got the better player upgraded, but then these picks, like they gave up a bunch of pick or they gave up two picks. They're not really good picks. One of them is this year. So it's not like Philly's going to have like a lottery pick this year. And then it could roll over next year. Newsflash, Harden and Embiid are still going to be there next year, so it's not going to be good. And then there's that 2027 pick, which is top eight protected. So the best they're getting is the ninth pick in the draft from Philly. Give me a break. Those picks are nothing. Combine that to what Brooklyn gave up years ago, which was all those – I think it was like 
three first round picks. I think one of them was protected. So two unprotected, those pick swaps all like into the late 2020s, you move like everything to get this guy Harden. And when you had him, Kyrie and Durant together, 16 games, you go 13 and three, you have that playoff series where you're like destroying Boston and like the offensive ceiling on this team's there is none. And then we never see anything after that, really, that's substantial. So that's what I have to say. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. That is a lot to take in. Look, I don't disagree with you on that. It depends on who gets the best player in the trade. I mean, I, don't, I think that is definitely a good way to judge a trade. But at the same time, I mean, Brooklyn pretty much gets an entirely new starting five. So I think that's a great end of the trade for them. At the end of the day, man, you got Kevin Durant. You got Patty Mills. You got Kyrie Irving. Now you get Seth Curry and Andre Drummond in there. So now they get to add all those guys. I think their reasoning with getting those first-round picks was the rumor I kept seeing was that they were trying to trade Nick Claxton, those picks for Miles Turner, which the Pacers ended up declining on. Because, I mean, yeah, that one didn't work out. But, I mean, look, I like the trade for Brooklyn. At the end of the day, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving should be enough to get it done. I mean, Kevin Durant by himself was almost enough to send Milwaukee home. And if he's by an inch, literally, it was almost enough to send Milwaukee home. That's how close it was. But I think that James Harden is the ultimate winner of this deal because James Harden gets to go to a team where he doesn't have to play with another ball-dominant guard. He clearly didn't like it. He took the back seat to it. But if he's the one who forced his way out, he clearly didn't like playing with another ball-dominant guard in Kyrie Irving. And, I mean, I just got a notification like 20 minutes ago. Kyrie Irving was saying all kinds of shit about how he didn't like playing with James Harden. So, I think James Harden's the biggest winner here because he gets a new team. And, I mean, he's going to get to dominate the ball now. Tyrese Maxey's not exactly – I mean – But is he – Embiid wants the ball. Embiid's not really what I'd call like a pick and pop guy. I mean, you can't. I mean, I guess they'd have to change the offense. I'm sure he can play that role. No, he's, he likes he's to an ISO big. Block and do ISOs, yeah. just like Harden does. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other good thing is though, you know, when Harden goes to the bench, that's Embiid's time to take over. So I mean, I do agree with you on that. Harden, Embiid doesn't like the screen and roll, but the fact that you have one of the most dominating scores in the league on the perimeter and in the paint. I think that gives teams a lot of mismatches. Plus, two, I actually did, was thinking about this. I was like, damn, Maxie's gross going to get stunted. He's the odd man out in this trade now. Yeah. Actually, Maxie's shooting 42.4% from the field on catch-and-shoot three-pointers. Not bad. And now, and now he's going to get more open looks. Because Harden, Harden and Iso ball is at the top of the key. As soon as he gets past that first guy, which it's very hard to stay in front of Harden, two guys come over to help, and you have an open shooter. And that – is where I think the Brooklyn Nets get better because now the Brooklyn Nets have Seth Curry and they already had Patty Mills. Both of those guys are tremendous shooters on the wing. Patty Mills has a ton of championship experience too when all he had to do for the Spurs was sit in the corner and wait for one of the guys to drive and kick it to him. He's unbelievable at that. Seth Curry, I mean, all you have to do is watch the tape of what he did in the postseason last year where his catch-and-shoot game was unbelievable. I mean, if they didn't have him against the Hawks, that series would have been over maybe in four, if not five. So Seth Curry's a tremendous ad. I'm not going to add anything to what you guys said about Harden and the Sixers. I also agree that the Sixers won the trade just straight up. My question for you, and I'll start with Arya, where does Harden and Embiid rank in duos in the NBA? Are they the best? Is the Suns the best? You stole the Bucks with Middleton and Anthony Kumbo, who just won a championship. There's there's a lot of great duos out there. Obviously, Kyrie and, and Durant are still out there. Like, who's the best duo? No, I mean, you know, we we're making fun of them, but like from just the duo, like pure talent perspective, I'd probably still pick LeBron and Davis over anybody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I'm not talking about the Lakers. Yeah, maybe for the healthy, 20 games, Davis on the floor. 
I mean, them. I mean, keep in mind, Kyrie still only plays like half the game. So the thing is, um, I just like it's hard for me to sit here and say like, yeah, you got Seth Curry and Ben Simmons for James Harden, and you're better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in months. I don't mm-hmm. know what he's gonna look like, and I, I it, it's just hard for me to look at that team and act like they're better than they were uh, after what I saw from them in the playoffs before. Harden gets hurt. Kyrie gets hurt. Like I saw what that team was potential, what their potential was. And now like, that's just like to your, like your point, like who's the best duo, who is the best third option in the league besides Kyrie Irving, like maybe Aiton or one of those warriors guys. Um, Kyrie, I put Kyrie way above any of them, at least offensively. Yeah, no, I would, I definitely would for sure with Kyrie. By the way, Kyrie just commented on a tweet calling a bunch of people out saying to keep him and his family's names out of his mouth. So there goes even more drama from all this trade and everything. But, but yeah, you know, I, I would probably say for me, for duos that I'm going with as a top one in the league, I'm going to give it to Harden and Bede, man. I just think that, that that's the only one where I see two top 10 players in the league. I don't have Anthony Davis, 10 players in the league. I don't have Anthony Davis. What would you say, Arya? He's not a top 10 player. Who? James Harden is not a top 10 player at this point. How is he not? He hasn't played like one at all all season. Hey, those you know, games. Been... Like he was unmotivated and he wanted to get to, he wanted his way out of Brooklyn. And now he's going to play like hamstrings. the hardest before. Yeah. Hamstring, give me a break. Like, fine. I'll, I'll accept that. But from what we saw, no, he's not a top 10 player this year. He could be on Philly just because he'll have the ball more in his hands. But I mean, I, I, I at this point for what he showed, I agree with you. I mean, we did see the exact same thing kind of when he forced his way out of Houston. You know, he was there in Houston. He is playing lackadaisical. I mean, it was kind of the same thing, I guess, in Brooklyn where he was playing half-assed. But, I mean, he still had some games where he turned it on and showed that he still had the signs of being that good. It just depended on when he picked and chose his spots. I still think he can play like that, and I think he's going to have something to prove now that he's out here. I would hope. I mean, he's making how much money? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's making four. He's making, I think, like forty. Second trade in two years. Like, I would hope. Yeah, but I mean, like hey, he said, of money. Like you, speaking of money, you were talking about like Ben Simmons. The dude lost nineteen million dollars because his coach hurt his feelings. That's absurd. Well, I mean, if it, it, it worked out for him, if that's if what he wanted was, to yeah, get out he of got him. his way. He pouted and he got his way. He didn't care about the money, then great. So <laughs> it worked out. If that's what he wanted, and by all accounts, I mean, it seems like that's what it was. Yeah, no, I mean, Ben Simmons did end up getting his way, but that is a good point. I mean, when are we even going to see Ben Simmons on the court? Ben Simmons, who, what has he even been doing? Like, where has he been going so to practice was, basketball or what? Yes. So there's like in the NBA, there's there's mandatory shoot arounds and practices. He ha- He was participating in those. Um, so his, his fines were coming from not going, like not playing in the games. So like the mandatory practices and shoot arounds, he was going to those. I remember, I don't remember if it was Woj or someone reported it. So like he was with the team, which I think infuriates everyone that was around the Philly organization more because he, he's showing up to practice and being around the facility. And then when the time comes for everything else, he just leaves. Is that true? That, like, that's what – it was like Woj or Brian Windhorst. Someone reported it. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's what, that's very fascinating right there. So, we do know then at least he's been practicing basketball. That's a good thing. Um, but that's not game shape. No, that's definitely not game shape. He's definitely going to have to play himself into game shape, and hopefully he can do it in these 20-something games that are left on the NBA schedule. 
Yeah, there's two months left in the regular season, plus the All-Star break, so it's like a week there. Durant's burner, Durant's burner is going to go after him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we definitely. Well, Durant's not even back yet, so it's like, and now you have Kyrie playing every other game. Like, how how is this team going to like? They don't. And do they're they the nine seed right now. Yeah, do they have enough time to gel? Like, like they'll make play or they'll make the play-in at least, right? But like, right? Do they have enough time to gel and actually do something in the playoffs? I don't know. Especially they don't have a choice. <laughs> Yeah, well, y'all just perfectly brought up the point I was about to make. I mean, first off, when do you ever see two teams like this that are competing for t- to be the top dog in the Eastern Conference like this make a trade that makes each oh, team that much happened. better? It happened before. It was uh, like four or five years ago with Boston and Cleveland. Kyrie for Isaiah. That's right. That's right. Uh, but but that's not in the middle of the season even. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you don't see stuff like this happen in the middle of the season where both teams are really, really going at it to be that top dog. You know, like – that that's what makes this trade even crazier in my opinion like when you look at it now then i mean like you, back to the point you made think about how much better the 76ers get you had a guy making a max contract not even playing on your team at ben simmons and you replace him with a guy who's will, will give him at least a top 15 player in the league in james harden you get to add him in there like that's all they did yeah pretty much like think about that you swap those guys for that and then you add that on your team then on the flip side of things you have the nets getting a completely new starting five i mean you don't see stuff like that happen the eastern conference is absolutely stacked i mean this is basically the western conference too but this is what we used to see in the western conference the last couple years now it's about to happen the eastern conference where you're gonna have shit miami could be the one seed playing brooklyn in the first round and get losing the first round yeah yeah they didn't they didn't have to give up they didn't have to give up my T. Steibel either, who obviously is a tremendous defensive anchor for them. Yeah, no, that was the guy they didn't want to give up was Matisse. I mean, he got out of there. You got to give Daryl Morey some credit here, man. He didn't give up Matisse, and he didn't give up Seth – or he didn't give up um, Maxie. Maxie. Yeah, he held on to his two young assets. I'd rather have given up Maxie than Curry, though, just because Curry's off-ball stuff is like – and he plays so well with Embiid. Like, to be honest, like, and we were talking about the fit earlier, like, the Harden thing is still kind of weird in terms of fit, and they have, you know, two months to figure it out. It's not – like Brooklyn, where they have to, okay, we have to reintegrate Ben Simmons into basketball. Kyrie plays road games only, and Durant's still out. So they have, I feel much more confident in their ability to figure it out just because the guys are there, assuming uh, the hamstring magically heals, right? Um, do, but do we know the extent of Durant's injury? Beal would yeah. have been a better fit for Philly fit-wise, but obviously he's out, so that was never going to happen. But I think he would have fit better than Harden. Yeah, now that I do agree with. Um, Durant is supposed to be out, they said, through the All-Star break. So... Durant, there's no specific timetable on it. I mean, it is just like a, it's what, what is it, a contusion, which is basically a fancy word for a deep bruise. So, Jeez, I mean, it's the same thing that he heard in 2017 before they won the finals with the Warriors. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows when he's going to be back, you know, but hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Any other points y'all think we should make on this before we move to another big time trade? Well, I guess the overall thing is, you know, James Harden, superstar player, you know, wants to get to Brooklyn so bad a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, by all accounts, like, Durant and hurting him. So, like, I guess the question is really, what changed so dramatically in a year? You know, he wanted to be there. He wanted to win a title with these guys. And I think it's basically I, – I think it all goes from Kyrie and the whole vaccine issue. Yeah, I agree. Like, this guy – and I'm just assuming, right? But, like, if you're James Harden and you're going out and playing all the time and then this guy is – only playing half the games is refusing to get vaccinated, which could allow him to play in all the games. Um, it probably rubbed 
off on him the wrong way, as opposed to Kevin Durant, which by all accounts is the opposite, right? And we're all speculating, right? Like, I don't have sources. You don't have sources. Um, but, like, that's what it seems like from all the reporting I've read and from just reading tea leaves through uh, what you've been seeing online and stuff. And, you know, not all that's true, but that's really what it seems like. And plus, he, Philly obviously has this guy in Daryl Morey who he trusts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he wants that stability and being somewhere where he can trust somebody. And I don't think you can trust Kyrie Irving. Like, that's made – if there's one thing that's obvious from watching his career the last however many, 10, 10 or so years, you cannot trust that guy. No, no I see. He, listen, he went, he went to Brooklyn to play with Durant and Kyrie, and they only got 16 games together. That's got to piss yeah. you off in some kind of capacity. No, absolutely. And you know, for a fact that it was hard, I mean, because the reports were that Harden was upset with them with the COVID with the COVID mandates and stuff in oh, Brooklyn. And he was also upset with the way the Kyrie thing was being handled. And then on top of this, the, the athletic reported this, they said Kyrie was eager for a Harden trade. Net star said he was ready and eager to see Harden traded in the 76ers deal because he was frustrated. Yeah. So if they had to pick between Harden and Kyrie, obviously Kyrie's a little younger, but I mean, also Durant's boy. Games. I would have chose Harden over him. Yeah, I but if, they, I know you and I used to joke about this, but like, what if they did a Ben Simmons for Kyrie trade? Like, now, granted, I don't know if, why Philly would have done that if you don't get the assurance Kyrie's going to re-sign because um, he's also a free agent. Well, Harden's not free agent anymore, but I don't know. It's still, it's very unique. I'm sure we're not like done hearing everything that's coming out. There's going to be more to learn, but um, you know, There'll probably be a crazy documentary on all this on 30 for 30 in about 30 years we're going to watch. Yeah, and the real interesting documentary is that Nets team. It's kind of like, you know, everyone always likes to talk about the OKC team from the early 2010s before the Harden trade. And this is like, what if they had kept Harden, Durant, and uh, and who's the other guy? Oh, Westbrook. And they didn't uh, blow that up so quickly and move on from Harden. This is like 2.0 version of it, except like, I'd say even more so because – at least these guys are all established superstars. Who knows if Harden becomes Harden if he stays in that six-man role? So, I, like, I just look back at that team and the 16 games they played together in that series against Boston. Like, they were unstoppable offensively. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I mean, until that we saw everybody get hurt, I mean, this team looked absolutely unstoppable. I mean, we watched them at they, they throttled Milwaukee in the first game of the series when they had everybody. That was like the one game they played when they when they had everybody. They won that game. Uh, I think we did did hurt did Harden play in the first game though against Milwaukee, right? Hammy like fifty nine seconds into the game. Yeah, that's but I mean still though when they had a healthy when they still had a healthy Kyrie and KD they beat them by like twenty five points. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, I think we've exhausted this topic. Let's move on now to another big time topic. Aria, your boys, the Boston Celtics. You want to take us away on the trade that they made on the big trade they made today to bring in Derek White? Not really. Like you're talking about big trades. Like they got rid of Richard Schroeder <laughs> and brought in uh, White and uh, who's the other guy? Oh, Tice. Daniel Daniel Tice. Yeah. It's yeah. A little weird to me because they have this eight-man rotation going, and Schroeder and Richardson were parts of it. So it's like you send those two guys out who were you know perimeter players. Mm-hmm. You bring in White and then you bring in Tice. So now it's like. You're crowding your front court depth even more with Williams, Horford, Tice, Grant Williams, uh, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, said Williams twice. Um, so to me, it was like now White's by all accounts a better player than all the other guys like from the perimeter. So they somewhat improved, but now it's like I don't know if they have that many good perimeter options. It's like White, Smart, Tatum, yeah. Brown, 
<laughs> that's really it. Like, that's players. I guess Pritchard might have a bigger role now. I mean, yeah. So I guess that's the, the logic, right? Like they could, they thought because they had him, they could move off of Schroeder. So yeah, I guess Pritchard's going to move my, into that eight man rotation a little more. My big thing with the difference between Schroeder and White is White knows his role and has been playing it for years and years for the Spurs, right? Like Schroeder's been that fringe guy who is definitely better as a six man. He's been great off the bench in his, yeah. in his career, but he also thinks he's a starter, wants to get paid starter money. That's why he held out for so long and he ended up in Boston. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's like, I'll tell you this, that like Boston is much better than Thomas and I both thought they would ever be. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing organization wise, it's worked. And if they feel like they can get better in this move, I'd say it for this point, you got to trust them. Stretch. Well, I mean, what they click is, the, is like the phrase I would use. That's, yeah. yeah, that's better. Yeah, well, there's def- y'all's defense has really been clicking. Y'all are like one of the top three defensive teams in the league over the last month and a half or so. But I guess my real question for you is, look, Derek White's having a career high 5.5 assists. This is the first year without DeMar DeRozan, so he's been able to be more ball dominant, have the ball. He's on a four. He just signed a four year, seventy two million dollar deal, I believe, in this last offseason. Do you think he's actually the point guard of future here for Boston? Y'all have been looking for a point guard. I mean, you've told me a thousand times in text that you think they need to be bringing a point guard. I want to hear what you have to say before I answer this question. I mean, Smart's been doing a good job, to be honest, ever since he got back from all his, I think it was COVID stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So he's been, he's been doing a good job. So is White the point guard of the future? I mean, I like Derek White. I don't think he's ever going to be like an all-star caliber player, but um, – I don't know if those point guards are just going to be available. Like, I, I guess James Harden did just get traded. So they'll appear from time to time. So, no, I think the Celtics, the real move here, and to be honest, this is maybe – I think that, like, eventually the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum thing isn't for the long term. And sort of what Philly did, you keep your, like, main guy. So they kept Embiid, you keep Tatum, and you use Brown – to try and get like another bona fide all star, not like the and Simmons, like I, I, I just think you got to make that move at some point, and whether it's a guard or a big man, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But um, that's I think that's coming for Boston, unless like I know they've been playing well recently, but they haven't really beaten anyone good during like this win streak. Like they beat yeah. the Nets. It was like I, I Kessler Edwards and those guys. Who's that? That's Javon a good team, Carter. Man. Is that somebody? <laughs> like, no seriously i'm asking i can't even remember um <laughs> yeah that's a squad right there yeah so um like they beat that team like they haven't really beaten anyone even though they've gone on this little win streak like, they beat the heat but that was like with that they were without butler and lowry i think bam played but so, so i'm not buying into this win streak yet okay it's the best they've been all year but you know we'll see what happens and i just don't know if this brown tatum thing it's for the long haul because they've never – people say, well, they've, you've, they've succeeded with them. They've made two Eastern Conference finals with them. It's true, but they never made two Eastern Conference finals with them as the best two players, and that's what this is now. See, I agree I agree with you on that because the way that I look at it is when you look at most of the best teams, the teams that typically win and stuff in the playoffs – 
they typically have one guy who dominates the perimeter and another guy who dominates the paint. Or like at least if they have two guys who dominate on the perimeter, one of them is a guard, a point guard who gets everyone else involved and makes other people better. Brown and Tatum at the end of the day are both isolation scorers and they can get theirs, but they can't really get other people involved like that. I mean, yeah, they might have decent assist averages, but they're not really orchestrating an offense and setting everything up and whatnot. I think bringing in Derek White's a start. I think he's a talented player, but I think back to what you said about them breaking it up. I think Derek White's a great young asset that a lot of teams would like to have. And so if you make a trade, maybe he's involved in that trade along with a Tatum or Brown. Yeah. And Beal's the name that's been floated around forever because him and Tatum know each other from their St. Louis days. Um, but I don't think Beal's the guy. Like, I don't think Beal's like substantially better than Brown. Like, I don't either. I'd rather have Brown than Beal. I don't want to trade Brown. I would only want to trade Brown if you're getting like a much better play in return, like how Philly traded Simmons to get a much better player in Harden in return. Um, but I think like for Boston to get to that level of um, actual title contention, they'll need that much better player in return. And they're not getting that much better player in return unless Jalen Brown's involved in some sort of trade. That's where I kind of am with Boston, I think. You know, fair enough. I definitely agree with you on that. Anything else y'all think we need to talk about this before we get to our last trade that went down? No, I think I'm good. Perfect, guys. Perfect. So, one last trade that went down today, guys. One that was not expected either. The Dallas Mavericks were involved sending Kristaps Porzingis to the Washington Wizards. In return, they received Davis Bertans and they received Spencer Dinwiddie. Was what did y'all think about this trade? Did Dallas get better, or was it dumb to ship out KP? This, this was my. Ben, you go. This was my. This was my favorite trade of the day in terms of teams, right? So, so uh, Thomas, you talk about Dallas's defense all season long. I mean, since we've seen Porzingis in the league, has he been able to score? Yeah, he's been able to score, but he's not a he's not a threat down low. Like, there's no big guy that's scared to go one on one with Porzingis in the paint. And he's like a seven foot one dude. So it's like, and here's the thing. He played the second fiddle mm-hmm. to uh, what if, what if uh, on the, uh, the Knicks weren't very good with him, but he was a second fiddle to mellow. Wasn't really working out. They weren't winning, you know, many games. He comes into Dallas and, and as soon as Luca comes, well, Luca's got the ball in his hands, 98% of the percentage uh, or possession. So it's just not an ideal fit for him was it. Plus he gets hurt a lot. For me, you bring in Bertan to, so we know this we know this guy can shoot. I mean, he lit it up in the three-point shootout, which I know is not real game scenario, but it's just the off-ball shooting that they're adding for Luca because when he drives to the paint, he's getting triple teamed. And we know he loves to dish it out. The main thing for me is if Luca and Kristaps are not working out, well, now you get to offload all of Kristaps' huge contract that he definitely doesn't yep. deserve. That's huge. And I don't there was something like years ago, I don't know if it was Cuban or Rick Carlisle, but one of them didn't love Porzingis like right after they signed into that deal. I think one of them kind of regretted it. And the thing you get is when now they just signed Dorian Finney-Smith, he got like a four-year, he might have got like 52 years, nothing like crazy, but Dorian Finney-Smith has been a good two-way player for them. And I think they added, with two guys that they added, um, with Dinwiddie, who Dinwiddie is a very good point guard, who if Luka is going to be off now, Luka, listen, Dinwiddie can run an offense. I'm not saying he's going to be the main scorer in an offense, but he, you can facilitate an offense through him. Mm-hmm. And Luca, he in playoff games, Luca rarely sits on the bench. So they ask Luca to do everything. He's capable of doing everything. I think this was a great trade. 
Mm. Arya, you want to go next? You seem to you seem to disagree. Well, no, here. I mean, I don't feel like good about like it was one of those trades where like so but you know you, there's the trades where like you know kind of like that Brooklyn Philly one how everybody was like oh great for everybody great for everybody this is one of those ones where I feel like eh for everybody you know what I mean like I don't feel great about it for anybody like now uh, Dallas adds Dinwiddie to go along with Doncic and Brunson and now they're like way too guard heavy I feel like like where right. are the like, there's no bigs. There's no wings. Like, Kleber, Finney Smith, that's about it. Uh, they, they still have Hardaway, right? He's, he broke his foot. He's probably he's, out for the rest of the season. Yeah, but, like, yeah. he's not there. So, it's like – He's under contract for next season. Well, well also, too, let, let, me, let me make this point. I think it might make things a little more cleared up for you guys. So, I was reading a little bit more after they made the, made the trade. And so, big thing that was rumored, obviously, a lot of teams are calling today asking for Jalen Brunson. The Mavs didn't want to deal him. They want to keep him to make try to make a run here. But at the end of the day, Jalen Brunson is going to be a free agent. He's going to be unrestricted, and he's probably going to get a massive deal from somewhere. The rumor is that New yeah. York is going to max him out. And at the end of the day, if you're Dallas, you're not you're not matching to pay a max deal to Jalen Brunson. So instead, you bring in Spencer Dinwiddie to help supplement what you're going to lose in Jalen Brunson. I mean, yeah, it sucks. Jalen Brunson's been good. But at the end of the day, if a team's going to, going to give Jalen Brunson a max deal, you can't match that. Yeah, so I guess it's Brunson insurance maybe a little bit. And obviously the Porzingis thing wasn't working out. Like, I don't hate it. I don't particularly like it. Like, I don't view Dinwiddie as, like, this huge ad that's going to change things for Dallas. I saw Russillo tweeted – he was like – he tweeted something like, can't wait to see Dinwiddie wave Luca off for the first time. Like, <laughs> uh, like, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I do think, like, the Porzingis-Doncic thing, like – you know, this is kind of like, I think so many teams think they have like a all-star duo, but really don't like Boston really yeah. does. You know what I mean? Um, that's why everyone's like, well, they have Brown and Tatum all-star duo. Brown's been in the league six years and has made one all-star team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dallas never had one. Porzingis never made an all-star team with Dallas. Uh, I think he's only made one in his career actually with the Knicks. Um, so like, I think people, like, when they see Porzingis getting traded, they're like, oh, my God, what are they doing? They're losing an all-star, but he's not really one. And it never worked. They never won a playoff series with that duo. And, I mean, they went to that Clipper through that Clippers team twice. That was a bad matchup, but it, it didn't work. Porzingis play in that series anyway? He didn't uh, play, in the one in the bubble, he played in, like, a couple of the games. Yeah. yeah. Remember he got ejected? He's had a big injury history, too. He got ejected from one of those games. Yeah, I remember that. I think it was game one. And he was playing well that game, too. I think he had, like, 30-something points and got ejected. But anyways, um, yeah, I think the point is, like, I like Dinwiddie. I think he's a good player. I don't think much differently of Dallas today than I did before the day started. No, my whole point was, like, no, I agree with you. Like, does Dinwiddie move the needle? No, of course not. But they're a tremendous defensive team, and getting rid of Porzingis, like, that's not where he's, like, of a huge value to the team. Like, he's a scorer, right? If their yeah. defense is playing well right now, getting rid of Porzingis, is it really going to hurt their defense this much? Like, I, I, I don't think so. Also, too, Porzingis no, is out all the time. Like, they're 
Yeah, plus they're doing this without Porzingis in the lineup that much. Porzingis has probably missed, I'd say, around half the games this season. Or if not, he missed half the games in his NBA career. Yeah, or 60% of the games. Like, <laughs> he's never out there on the floor. Now, don't get me wrong. You still had to eat some big salaries with Dinwiddie and, and Bertans coming back in return. But I think it's more worth it. Plus, you can get Dinwiddie has next year on the books, and his contract's only partially guaranteed the following year. And there is an out with Bertans as well later on in his, in his deal as well. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, listen, the West, the West is, especially the top of the West, it's extremely competitive. Mm-hmm. And they're going to lean on Luka. Like, Luka's going to have, like, you know, let's say the Western Conference Finals is the Suns and Mavs, right? Like, Luka's going to have to match Booker and Paul's points, which he he can. Mm-hmm. But it's asking him to do a lot. Now that, I definitely, I definitely do agree with that. I mean, I hope we get to that point, man, where we have, have Dallas going up against them. I really do. Aria, you seem like you got something you want to say. Let's hear it. No, not really. My teeth are just bothering me. <laughs> Same. All right, guys. Well, is there y'all think there's anything else we need to talk about before we get out of here? I like the Bucks getting a Baca, especially if Lopez does never come back. I do like I that do one like too. That. He does give him a lot of versatility and he's not he's a nice piece to stick down there next to Giannis in the paint. Just think it hey, I bet y'all couldn't guess this one. It, I think it's since whatever year Baca came into the league, he is the most blocks of any player in the NBA since. Dude, oh, think really? about his his young days on the Thunder. I mean, like he was unbelievable in the paint. Mm-hmm. I think it was like over the last ten years, him Serge Baca is the most blocks of any player in the league. Yeah, him and the big perk. <laughs> My only thing is like, I, I mean, Baca can step out. I don't know if he step. He doesn't like Brook Lopez wasn't. Like Brook Lopez liked to shoot threes more so than play mm-hmm. offense in the paint. My only thing is with the with Giannis, who obviously likes to do everything in the paint, does it clog the lane a little bit? I mean, Ibaka can shoot threes. He can shoot out there. And he can. I just don't think he steps out as much as like Brook Lopez would like set yeah, up on the three point line. He definitely added that to his game when he was with the Raptors. That's true. Yeah, the thing is though, also too, Ben, we really haven't seen Ibaka the last two seasons, so I, you know, I've definitely. Forgot about that one too. I haven't. I mean, Abaka's barely even played this year. I don't even know if he's healthy right now. No, he's back. Okay. Yeah, I think he's back. Yeah, I've caught the Clippers here recently. They haven't been a uh, much of a team to watch the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Lakers Clippers like a week ago. I think he played in that. Yeah, I didn't watch that one, but actually, no, I take that back. I did watch that one. Yeah, you're right. He was out there actually. Reggie Jackson though thought he was a LeBron in that game, but um. All right, guys. Anyway, I think we've pretty much hit on everything. I thought we had some good discussion here today. Aria, before we get out of here, man, big games on Sunday. Who you got winning? Yeah, Rams minus four and a half. Lock. I'm, I'm with you. Then I'm, I'm on the Bengals, man. So I parlayed Rams minus four and a half with, uh, with the book of Boba Fett not getting a season two. <laughs> <laughs> I like I mean, that. I should, right? If that's the thing. Um, but like, yeah, should I do it? Yeah, no, that show was okay, it was fine. I just don't need a that show, season. was fire, but I don't think Boba Fett can get to carry another season. It's it start, it just started slow for me. Yeah, hey, have you have you watched the last two episodes, Ben? Yeah, I've seen it. It finished, it finished unbelievable. Oh, the, the last two episodes were amazing. I w- I'll take those short, those slow episodes for the last two any day of the week. I just don't want a second season. I'm yeah. good. You bring me Mando season three. <laughs> yeah guys let's get a mandalorian season three we appreciate everyone who tuned in to today's podcast 
Um, hope y'all agreed with our points on the NBA. If you gamble with us, please play responsibly, and we'll talk to everyone again soon.